the French coffee culture has started to change for real. I mean, we had a coffee culture, but it's switching to uh, something different. So I think it's about creating a better offer. It's also explaining to them it's not about how much you pay a kilo of coffee. It's how much it costs each cup. And people are willing to pay a few centimes more for really good quality coffee. We had the case of a manager who started with us on a Monday. And on Wednesday, his ex-employer called him back, offering him double his salary. And on Friday, he was back at his ex-employer's. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. Last week, over 5,000 Parisians walked under the arches of the 104 Paris for the city's first coffee festival since the pandemic. I was there and saw a remarkable shift in the type of festival goer. While in the past, the festival attracted mainly industry trade, this year, I was delighted to see even more industry, as well as everyday Parisians there to enjoy and learn about coffee. So today, we're looking at the past, present, and future of France's specialty coffee scene. We'll hear from Tom Clark, co-founder and managing director of Coutume Café, Sandra Bouquenel, La Mazzucca's ambassador in France. And to kick things off, we're speaking with Michael McCauley, coffee quality director and academy director at Café Richard. Café Richard was founded in the late 1950s and is still today a family-run business. It serves over 40,000 accounts across France, ranging from bistros, bakeries, restaurants, and endless others. More recently, Café Richard established a specialty coffee arm as well. Michael gives us a perspective as to how the French coffee scene has evolved over the past 30 years. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you, you, you've got a long history in, in coffee, but Café Richard has a, an even longer history. I wonder if you tell us first about, a little bit about your background in coffee, and then let's get a bit about the background in Café Richard. I'm American. I'm living in France right now. I've been here for almost 30 years. I'm from uh, Louisiana in the United States. We, we like to drink really strong coffee, which is not necessarily what most people do in America. And I got the wonderful opportunity to work for the first Starbucks when it came into the Middle West uh, in like the late 1980s in Chicago. And then I got the opportunity to move on. Some French people wanted to do like a Starbucks style. They wanted to reinvent coffee in Paris because Coffee had been so traditionally rooted in the culture here in France, but they didn't have the, the same idea of what coffee was. So most people are, you know, come to France, we, everyone's in love sitting uh, on a, a sidewalk cafe and drinking their coffee and watching the people go by. But France was not always well known for necessarily having quality coffee because it was so deeply rooted in the tradition and the culture in France, it wasn't necessarily about quality. It was more about the moment, the time sharing with somebody a drink, a coffee, but not necessarily how to well prepare it. What I realized is that people here in France were about 30 years behind compared to their knowledge in wine. Because France, we have a reputation of excellent cuisine, la gastronomie française, you know, it's, uh, we're world, known worldwide for that. We're also known for making the best wines. And so what happened? What happened with the coffee? So 
we decided to open a, a chain of coffee bars called Columbus. And Columbus, so our first stores opened in 1994. And we were the only ones. And we were like doing coffee to go. And we did a blend, a special blend called Barista Blend with a company which we found called Cafe Richard. And I went over and uh, worked with the quality guy that was uh, working for Cafe Richard at the time. And I must say, I was quite picky and difficult. And uh, I wanted specific origins. I wanted specific flavors. Basically, what happened was we found that Columbus, we were so early in the market. It wasn't until 10 years later in Paris that Starbucks showed up. So we had a bit of financial difficulty. Uh -huh. And so at, at that point, that was Cafe Richard that asked me after the experience we had together. I said, well, this guy's retiring. I was doing the quality. Why don't you come over and join the company, which I did. And I just restarted everything. We, you know, really defined all of the blends. We defined all of the roasting parameters and qualities. And then we started talking about terroir and origin and who was actually doing the coffee, the producers. And all of this uh, SCA was really based on putting value in the chain from the producer all the way to the cup. And people had never thought, oh, coffee, it's not from Italy. It doesn't grow on a tree somewhere in Italy already roasted. No, it's, <laughs> and now, now everything's really fine-tuned. And, and so I've been now with this company, Cafe Richard, which has totally changed for 27 years. It's still a, a family run business but now we're doing exports to 40 other countries and of course we're still the leader in france you know for all food service you know since the last like 15 years how big would you say this specialty coffee market is in paris i mean number of stores we don't have thousands of coffee bars but we have hundreds of coffee bars and what they're drinking is that changing at all in terms of you know what type of coffee beverages yeah I'm sure you've had the experience, and I had one of my fellow judges from New, New Zealand was visiting Paris, and we he wanted absolutely to go to Place du Tertre, which is the artist square on top of Montmartre, which everyone visits when they come to Paris. And I brought him to this Place du Tertre, and we had a coffee, and he wanted a cappuccino. So he ordered a cappuccino, and what he got was a grand crème. It's like anyone that has done competitions or knows how to judge and is looking for foam on their cappuccino and they did this thing where the milk has been heated too hot and, and there's barely any crema left. It's all been dissolved together. There's no visual anything. And the coffee doesn't taste very good and the milk is not of good quality. So that's what used to be people were asking for. Now, people are going to ask for a really good uh, cafe latte that's creamy and, and velvety and in texture and has a really like, maybe has a double espresso in it and really nice coffee and also filter methods. People travel more than they did before. So they see what's happening elsewhere. And they said, ah, I had a coffee, you know, that was really great. And the guy was telling me a story about it, almost like he was a sommelier next to the table uh, explaining a wine, you know, and the customers love that. They love it when you pamper them, you've given them some attention, and you're also talking about the quality that they're going to consume. And uh, the cafes, we, we don't, we're not missing places to choose from here, you know, but maybe 95% of them, they're not thinking about that. Probably today, like 40% of them are now con conscious about the quality of coffee and the, the, know what they need to do. They need to be trained, so they send their staff to spend a day or two or a week. It depends on how much time they have. There's a genuine excitement around better quality coffee. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Unbelievable.
What are the main challenges to getting those tens of thousands of eateries and coffee establishments, cafes across Paris? What are the challenges to getting those having more and more great coffee? Okay. First of all, I'll defend a little bit France in that respect and say that this problem that you're talking about is not French. It is worldwide. So we all have the same obstacles in front of us. So all we can do is keep doing a promotion. And I, I think that's why I feel I'm so proud of being active in the SCA with their education program, because that's like the main basis of what we do. I'm very happy that I brought that aspect of education into Café Richard with our Academy du Café. We're a SCA premier campus facility. We're trying to touch more école hôtelière. Young people that don't even, you know, have three or four years of their cursus, they have one day about coffee. So we're trying to go into places like Ferrandi, which is a very a prestigious, reputable hotel school. So I think it's about creating a better offer. It's also explaining to them it's not about how much you pay a kilo of coffee. It's how much it costs each cup. And people are willing to pay a few centimes more for really good quality coffee. And like I said, it's going to bring their customers back. You know that France is the most visited country in the world. People love to come to Paris. People love to come to France, but Paris in particular. And so if you add to that, instead of them saying, oh, I love Paris, but the coffee's awful. You know, I <laughs> we're, we're starting to see a change. And so if we can get that all together, have a great meal, have a great wine, have a great coffee and enjoy this beautiful country. And the and the the monuments that are here and the culture and the history, it's great. It's fantastic. Michael, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. So it's clear that the French specialty coffee scene has come on in leaps and bounds since the early 1990s. Today, it counts a couple of hundred venues across Paris alone. But what was the impact of COVID-19, and what challenges are operators facing today? So to get this perspective, I met with Tom Clark, co-founder and managing director at Kutum Cafe. Kutum was one of the first and remains one of the largest specialty coffee roasters in Paris. Today, it operates a dozen cafes in iconic locations throughout the city, some of which opened their doors for the first time during the pandemic. Tom himself is an Australian and brought the burgeoning specialty coffee cafe culture of Australia to Paris over a decade ago. Delighted to be here with Tom Clark, who's the founder and CEO of Coutume in Paris. Welcome, Tom. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Now, many nations, many coffee cities are really talking about the, the, the huge crisis of staff shortages. Is that something that you're seeing here in Paris? Definitely. I can certainly understand baristas, waiters and chefs who were upended and asked to stay at home for nine months of the year were paid 80% roughly of their salary, of which we pay part of and the government paid the majority of. I can understand that that gave them a lot of time to reflect about where they were going, what they wanted to do, what was their, their passion in life. It has really created a rupture. So we had a, a real reshuffle. A lot of our service staff, some people were back in Slovenia or Germany or Italy and didn't come back because they discovered they preferred to stay in their home country or they wanted to stay with their families and or they found other opportunities. Certain people also discovered that they wanted to do something else with their life, which is absolutely fine. 
I'm a firm believer that, that work is there to be enjoyed and uh, we only want people to, to show up every morning that are really motivated to. We also spent the time to train and provide management training to some of our key managers and some strategy uh, work. We really wanted to invest and show our, our staff that we, we care about them. Opening these cafes over 2021, it's been a real struggle to recruit. We are now looking further afield. We have people in Italy that are helping us recruit. We're opening up new avenues to, to recruit. Traditionally, you'd put a little post on Instagram or, or Facebook and you would have a horde of CVs the, the next day. That's no longer the case. Wow. And, and have you had to increase wages? We have. We were already far beyond the average wage, even at the entry level, but we have reevaluated key positions. We've also increased our starting uh, wage for baristas. We've added incentives and, and other management packages together. We have, let's say, baristas and key hospitality professionals or roasters, chefs. Uh, they all have a big bargaining power these days because there are few and far between in terms of candidates uh, that are willing to uh, apply for these uh, positions. And uh, quite often, current employers will chime in and increase the salary or, or add an extra uh, incentive to keep them. We had the case of a manager who started with us on a Monday. And on Wednesday, his ex-employer called him back, offering him double his salary. And on Friday, he was back at his ex-employers. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a pretty cutthroat world out there at the moment. But I think it's just one of those exceptions. It's going to normalize. Like I said, we've taken this opportunity to create and to really reinforce our, our culture. Yeah, we've had a lot of people coming and going, but we're more and more, you know, let's say, dedicated to getting the right people and to only investing in the people that want to be part of our culture and our uh, company. And then, and then into the business competition side of things, acquiring those customers now easy or hard? Is there a lot of competition within specialty coffee? Mm. Well, the cafe uh, scene has definitely grown, maybe not as exponentially as it would have grown had we not had COVID, but it has grown. There have been closures, of course. But in general, I think there is still a very uh, big market to be shared. The specialty coffee or independent coffee scene is still a, a blip compared to the brasserie market and the, the restaurant market. It's still a, a real niche. And what about the sort of the growth or, or the maybe competition? coming from the bistro, the, the brasseries, is there any movement there in terms of them moving into much better coffee? I must declare that I had probably one of the worst coffees I've had in years at the local bistro de coin, just mm. near this studio here. You need to have um, a wake-up call sometimes because we forget about it, don't we? Every that was day. my pick. That was my <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm looking at a very frothy, probably ultra-heat-treated milk with a bad espresso on the base and you paid about it was five rough. euros for it no it was about 350 oh, right. yeah. well, I, th I think a bistro from what i recall meant fast bistra yeah. in russian so it's, it's all a different ambience about getting something in you know the morning quick lunch having a, a quick dinner before you go to the movies or having something in the late evening early morning i think their role in, in french culture is quite defined and I don't think specialty coffee is a real uh, incentive for them uh, to change their entire coffee model. And we also see that restaurants, they have to deliver a quality coffee. It's become a demand of customers. People are no longer accepting having a, a capsule or a really terrible espresso at the end of a good meal. And there are many good meals to be enjoyed in Paris, as I'm sure yeah. you know. <laughs> Unbelievable amount of restaurants. Exactly. So the restaurant world has woken up. More and more, they will look for a specialty roaster who's you know going to support them and train them. So how is French 
and specifically Parisian consumer behavior changing around coffee? Mm. Well, first of all, they, they're looking uh, for quality options as, as opposed to just going to the nearest bistro. And maybe when we first began, people would make an exception to go out on the weekend. Now it's becoming a much more of a daily habit. Takeaway has increased. COVID was a big catalyst. And I think it's a real cultural change to take coffee away as opposed to sitting down. I would also say that home coffee has become uh, a big thing. People are now investing in bean to cut machines, uh, in sage mach machines and, and so forth. So I think yeah, there has been a general sophistication of going from a quirky, let's say, oh, it's just a phase, it's a fad, it's anglophone, yada, 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 to becoming a bona fide part of French culture. And that's within 10 years. And sort of people ordering subscriptions online, e-commerce, sales of you know, roasted beans, is that is that a thing here and now in Paris? I don't think we're as advanced as some of the English market, the American market, Scandinavian markets with all their subscription services. We have participated in various marketplaces and it hasn't been very convincing, but it's it's not something that I have seen a big traction. One final question. What are we seeing here in terms of sustainability and demand for sustainable business practices? So I think uh, there is more of a, let's say, independent activism on smaller levels. I don't think we're waiting around anymore for the big corporations or, or governments to save us because we just don't trust that they're really invested in that. So, yeah, the French have really demanded what we call RSE, Responsabilité, Sustainability and Ecologie. We have seen that corporations oblige various suppliers to have uh, this RSE, sustainability credentials, even to reference your product, you have to fill out a, a fairly significant sustainability report. They are looking for any solution where it be, for example, pick up and recycle coffee grounds at various offices that are signed up to our recycle scheme. Bike delivery, as you've seen in Paris, has exploded. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's Hidalgo's uh, global approach to, to shutting down traffic in central Paris. And uh, as a result, cargoes and trailers are being, you know, going all throughout Paris delivering groceries and packages. And that's really uh, a positive. Reusable cups are becoming much more common. We've also seen as a European collective, they have really banned straws and uh, plastic bags. All recyclable cups have to be fully recyclable. We have much more to do, but there is a, let's say, drive to, to push it forward and on a smaller level, on an independent. Thanks for joining us here today, Tom. Pleasure to be here. I'll see you in the Paris Coffee Festival. It's interesting to hear that Tom thinks COVID-19 stopped a possible explosion of new specialty cafes, but the specialty coffee sector has grown nonetheless. It appears COVID has helped to change French coffee drinking habits too. Consumers are now more open to takeout culture and are pursuing quality coffee at home. So the question is now, what's next for the French coffee scene and who will be driving the changes? That's why I spoke with Sandra Bocconel, Lamazocco's ambassador in France. Sandra has been part of the French specialty coffee scene from the early days and was originally inspired by the specialty coffee culture while living in New Zealand. I'm delighted to be here today with Sandra Bocconel, who is ambassador for La Mazzocco in France. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm very happy to be with you today. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your role in the coffee scene currently, and maybe your background and how you got into coffee. Okay. So as many persons in, in France, I uh, discovered coffee traveling. 
It was back in uh, 2006. I flew to New Zealand to work and travel. And that's where I discovered I had my first uh, coffee, real coffee experience, really different from home. And from that moment, I switched to coffee. Yeah. And back to uh, Paris uh, years later in 2011 when I started my coffee career. Because before that, there was nothing really about coffee or specialty. And tell us about your job now. What, what do you mainly do? How, what does an ambassador for La Masoca mean? Um, for La Masoca, you know, it's really important to build the community and to create connection between uh, us as a manufacturer and the users, um, baristas and roasters and customers who like to interact together. That's really important. And uh, here in France, La Marzocco has been present for many years, but there were not so much work about the community. And my role was to create this community and connect together. So how would you describe you know, the community, how it is you know, today compared to what it was maybe five years ago, just the Paris coffee scene? Even if I take back to 10 years ago, it was very tiny, very small and um, not really French in a way that people were traveling in France and uh, some baristas started to settle in France and they were coming from uh, New Zealand for Australia, a bit like in London in 2005, same scenario. So that at the moment, there were no really French baristas and uh, specialty coffee culture. And five years after, the coffee scene changed so much. The coffee shops were owned by French people who were traveling, who came back from a travel, or who have experimented a good coffee. And five years later, you could have uh, imagined how many new coffee shops pop up uh, with a real French community. So why do you think it has grown so much? Because France and Paris in particular is known for its cafes. There are thousands of cafes. And while many would say it's mainly not, you know, high quality specialty across the bulk of hospitality outlets, you know, is there any reason why the sort of specialty is growing? Because people have started to taste real coffee and I think they, they like that. Thanks to the job of so many baristas, roasters and the efforts, people are became really seduced by a new coffee experience. And plus, lots of people traveling around and have a coffee experience uh, in many different countries and coming back home, they, they look for that. So, yeah, it's growing and there's a, a trend to have a passion for, uh, for natural wine or craft beers and bakery as well. We talk about fermentation a lot and there's a lot of energy and dynamism about all about food. And really, coffee is in this topic that is being discussed a lot more and more. So we're seeing a boom of coffee shops. That's quite evident. People are saying there could be as many as 200, maybe even more than 200. If I look at the map for, just for La Masaka alone, it mm-hmm. looks like there's a couple of hundred yeah. um, venues. What about restaurants? That's another subject, and uh, it tends to change, but it's harder. It's harder because usually you finish your experience in a restaurant with a coffee, and uh, some restaurant owners are aware of that and really taking good care of the customer to the end, but that's not a general tendency. That's maybe uh, too low today, but uh, it's growing and growing more and more, and that's the very positive thing. Today at the festival, there were many chefs that came to testimony about coffee, and I'm really delighted to see how much it has changed and how much gastronomy has a new way to uh, see coffee and work with coffee in the menu as well as an ingredient. What do you think the roasters are saying about the market at the moment? For roastery, it has been interesting to see how much people were looking for coffee during this uh, lockdown uh, period of time, um, looking for to learn, looking to have equipment. So for them, it has been quite dynamic. Yeah. And now is 
knowing this is just continuing to bring yeah. more content, more new coffees. Uh, a lot of them have developed more subscriptions concepts yeah. during COVID and keep on doing it. Yeah. So it, it brought new ideas and dynamism. And also perhaps in the home, what do you, what do you think about the home market? Is there anything that you're seeing as far as growth in the, in the home market? So much enthusiasm about coffee and how the trains have changed at home so much. More beans, obviously, uh, more equipment, uh, more interest, more uh, workshops to understand. To people are more and more educated and very interested to know what they're drinking. What is it? Where is it coming from? Fermentation. Curiosity a lot. Capsules. Is that still a growth area? That's a good question. A lot of people are concerned about ecology, sustainability, though at some point that's where beans wins. And I've been talking so many times with people who have loved uh, capsules and the concept of having a drink very quickly and now get frustrated about it and want more about it. So I'm sure there's still a market in France which today is very important with the capsules, but there's a, a future for the, the beans and uh, everything more crafted. And that means probably more grinders as well. Apparently. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Grinders. And uh, there's so many options now. And French people are more uh, espresso drinking in general. So yeah. they're really interested in that equipment. That sounds like a good future for premium coffee machines. Obviously, you spend a couple of days now at the festival being asked lots of questions. Is there anything that surprised you? How much People are interested in getting equipment at home and uh, really? wanted to uh, get to a, a new level to have this coffee experience at home more often, to understand how it works, to um, touch the equipment. Yeah, people are really curious and really want to experiment. The beginning of coffee culinaire. Yeah, at, at some point, maybe uh, the French coffee culture has started to change for real. I mean, we had a coffee culture, but it's switching to uh, something different with new generations as well. They are really open to this new uh, coffee trains. The future is the younger generation as well. Thanks, Sandra, for being here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you, Jeffrey. It was very nice to talk to you. Thank you. What a wonderful note to end on. A new, younger generation has grabbed the baton of specialty coffee from the Aussies and Kiwis, and together they are putting high-quality coffee firmly in the frame of France's long tradition of culinary excellence. These are, these are exciting times indeed. And that's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. Subscribe to us on Instagram at Fifth Wave Coffee. That's the number five followed by TH Wave Coffee. And tell us what topics are important to you so we can make the show more relevant to you and to your business. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions and Sound Engineering by Chris Bristow. And for this week's song, in association with the Coffee Music Project, I couldn't help to replay Paris by New York-based Bandits on the Run. I hope you enjoy. Have a great week. Au revoir. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. I see my own city of life.
soft core, breathe more. And I drown in what is new. Sometimes it feels like all I care about is you. And we could be together forever, or just until tonight. I could be alive forever, or the ending is in sight. Whatever it is, whoever you are, you say, Take my hand, it's not very far. Believe, believe, I choose to be happy. city of life. 